Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons, Josh McHugh and Ian Salmon in front of me to talk about Maribor and Spurs at 7 o'clock here on the Anfield Wrap or different time if you're on the podcast. We're going to be talking to Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital, John, because we're nothing if not flexible. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like the fact that, you know, this is talk show keeps everyone on the toes of it. It very much does. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a reminder of people that there's more to life than football, including your own health. Yeah. Although, shout out to the person a couple of weeks ago who was so infuriated we were talking about something else. He uh, complained to Bauer. Did he? Yeah. He went all the way to the top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bauer. Uh, well, they've been on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, said, he said more. More. <laughs> yeah. 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 We've honestly had, had enough of this lightweight football nonsense. Um, <laughs> see what else you can produce for us. Um, yeah. That's to come. I, I'm going to go back to John straight away here, just simply because, in terms of there's more to life than football you went to Slovenia to watch the Reds you went to Maribor how, how was it first and foremost yeah really nice it was it's, it's a lovely place it was a, it was a fun trip there was um, a good good mob of people kind of over there everyone had done their own slightly strange version of getting there so that's always always nice to, to kind of figure out which countries have you did been you to? go via Vienna all of that sort yeah, of stuff exactly, yeah exactly Zagreb was yeah. Zagreb in your past yeah so so that, that was quite fun to see which, which countries kind of people had covered but no good fun it's a beautiful place Slovenia generally is just really nice uh, I'd like quite like to go on holiday I've always, I've always thought, John. There's something, there is something actually quite romantic about the way in which, and it's not just Liverpool supporters. It's important to say that, but the way in which I think Liverpool supporters do commit to it brilliantly, going and having a great time somewhere that you'd never get to go otherwise. Because I was thinking about going to Maribor, and there was a couple of reasons why I couldn't in the end. But the main reason why I was maybe edging towards Maribor over Seville was, well, yeah. I'll probably go to Seville at some yeah. point anyway in my life. Whereas yeah. I don't know quite when I've got Slovenia in my future. Yeah, well, even if you would go to, go to Slovenia, you'd go to. Ljubljana or something uh, you'd, you'd have a few days there or something and didn't even know what the capital was <laughs> it's, it's meant to be lovely I've not been but it's meant to be very nice I think you can get kind of you know decent enough flights from there um, and and so that that's kind of what people have done I think I think Robin's been but uh, but I never never would have been to Bar- Maribor and probably won't again and so but it's gorgeous really really nice and the people were sound and the beer was good and we had a really nice time that's ticking and they're looking forward to coming over here are they? yeah and yeah. the Reds won 7-0 uh, yeah, it's I mean, you've had the best two days of your life <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean I had a hangover in there but uh you know, if you did tell me 10 a.m. on the on the Wednesday morning, this is the best two days of your life, I might have disagreed with you. <laughs> um, John McIntyre found me rocking a <laughs> rocking a vending machine in the hotel, forward and back to get some water out of it. That, that doesn't bode well, all right. <laughs> uh, like Michael Palin, but not Michael Palin. There, John Gibbons. <laughs> Listen, seven nils. Everyone will have a favourite goal. Uh, that's my favourite thing about games like seven nil. I can say. So, what was your favourite goal rather than the idea of just being the one that won us the game? Ian, uh, what was your favourite goal and why? Oh, I'm glad I got this in first because. I- I think this, <laughs> you didn't this, want to lose this, it. This might be popular. I had, I had a reserve just in case. Um, I might even give you my reserve if you're really lucky. My favourite goal was the one that Bobby and Mo scored. The that's shared, the that's my favourite goal. The half a goal leaps, the one that still nobody knows who scored. It's a lovely piece of work by Coutinho. He holds, he holds, he holds. He waits for Marino coming up on the outside, passes him, he pings in, and we've got two lads. For a team that never gets anyone in the six-yard box, we've got two lads in the same square inch of the six-yard box putting the ball in the back of the net. 
That's a truly, truly beautiful moment. Okay. Uh, Josh, what was your favourite goal? I think the first goal was excellent, to be honest. I mean, um, Salah pressing, forcing a mistake, not something we've seen too much this season. Um, but then he's got the skill to beat a man, then vision to find Firmino. I mean, it's a good, it's a simple run, but I mean, he's peeled off the defender that's marking him. He's got a bit of space. Salah's played him in and good start. Excellent. Uh, John, what was yours? Really pleased to Voxley Chamberlain to get off to the mark. Uh, I think it's it's nice to see subs kind of contributing as well because I think over the last month or so that's that's something that that, that we haven't been able to do. Um, so the fact that it that it's storage and storage is 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 good for that. He's he's, he's quite a selfless guy, I think, uh, on on the pitch. And I think you know for the, for the striker and, and they're all a bit selfish. I think he is someone who who probably saw. Oxley Chamberlain is someone who we'd like to see score, and you've seen him done that, do that with, with other other players, especially young ones. And so, Did Sterling quite often, didn't he? He's still with Ojo, yeah, um, yeah. And so he's so he's probably seen him and thought, so I'll, I'll I'll do my mate a little a little solid here, but he, but he but he takes it really well as well. He like he he neounds past him, doesn't he? Yeah, he <laughs> does do that. Yeah, he gets he gets the he gets the, he gets the rockets on and, and just and just kind of goes and cool finish and so so that's good more of that. So you know, nice. Mine was the second, uh, and it's partially because I think it's the key goal in the game. I think it's when their heads go, but it's also the it's fact a much that better finish than it looks. If that makes sense, it, yeah, it's it's a great finish. And yeah. it's, it's it's a really pragmatic. It's a finish that where he's gone. I'm going to get this on target. Yeah. Uh, this is going to get in target, and and this this keeper's going to struggle to save it, and that's what happens. But it's also the whole move. It's the fact it's the ball that Milner plays, Josh. The way in which he cuts it back, and I think that in the game itself that goal that second goal is the one where their heads have gone a little bit at that stage they, they don't really get their heads back together till half time and the, their game plan is now out the window they can't even have an idea that we'll, we'll hang on to 1-0 they're left in a situation where they're just 2-0 down and there's, there's so much time left on the clock yeah absolutely I think you've summed up really well there and also I think it's worth pointing out as well that Milner hasn't really had a, much of a look in this season but he came in he was absolutely fantastic the entire match pressing but also his final ball and yeah as you say that cross it was absolutely inch perfect for Coutinho and he might have scuffed the finish a bit but it's gone in it is, as he said it did, it did look a little bit better than it actually was um, but yeah I think it was excellent and I think Milner really needed that because I said he's not really had a look in and I wouldn't say he's going to start the weekend I definitely think Henderson's going to come back in but he couldn't have really done much more in my opinion it's a couple of times I thought that across the, the whole of the game in with Milner he managed to exude a level of class, and it's quite strange how he exudes a level of class because a lot of what he does, he managed to manages to exude a level of scruffy-looking class, not dissimilar to the finish, as, as John was saying there from Coutinho, but you know, he managed to go on a run at one point where it looked like he was tackled three times, and yet he'd gone past yeah. three men. Then he got he stood the lad up inside the box, made an absolute fool of him. But he he doesn't do it like you know he, he, he it's not he's not full of grace in this. He's just no, really, that, really that, effective. That's a lovely cut back to the line he does there. The bit where he actually sells that lad, I I, I thought that was gorgeous. It's um, he was I I thought it was absolutely magnificent. I think it's possibly his best performance in a red shirt, and we've not seen a great deal of him this season. Considering this is a player who we were all kind of agreed last season that Klopp wanted to see him on the pitch as often as possible because. He understood what Klopp wants. He knew how the game had to run. And he made things happen. And this is the big thing that he did the other night. He made things happen all the way through the game because he was he was everywhere. I mean, he was nominally that right-sided midfielder where you would normally of late see Chan playing, but he was switching to the left. He was dropping deeper. He just showed he showed that game understanding and that actual natural knowledge of how a football game works that you would expect from a player of his experience, his age and of the teams he played for. I think for me, next uh, on Saturday, on Sunday rather, he has to start. 
I'd be quite happy to see those three midfielders start against Spurs because I thought the balance of that midfield was absolutely gorgeous. We'll get on to Spurs in a minute, but also Ian Coutinho irresistible throughout as well. I mean, I think Completely. the manager gives him 90 minutes, but he just... It, there's games you see Coutinho, I think, where he, he decides he's really going to enjoy himself against a poorer opposition, and I felt like this was one of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like that first season, um, as you've said a few times on shows, that he came in that first season and about a month in, he goes, do you know what, this is actually a lot easier than this should be, and he becomes a flat-track bully. And he had the run of the pitch, and again, he starts in the left of the three, but he's he's able to drop as deep into midfield as he's been doing when he's been playing as the the third of the midfield three. So he's got that entire run of the middle. He can he can drop deep. He can move forward. He's probing all the time. It was it was a perfect display by Coutinho. And it's it's one of those I know there's a lot of people this week being saying yeah, but these lads only did it against Maribor. And what are you going to do against a packed defence? Well, Maribor in theory at the beginning of the game might have been going for a packed defence. We genuinely have no idea. They may have intended ten men behind the ball. After the first goal, that's gone completely. After the second goal, they don't know what they're doing at all anymore. So I don't think you can diminish what we've done against them by virtue of this is a, least, a lesser team. It's not a lesser team. It's a team that drew one all with Chelsea at home. It's a team that drew with... Did they draw with Sevilla? Yeah. And I'm, no, they got beat by Sevilla. They got beat by Sevilla. Drew with Sheffield Moscow. Yeah, they got beat by Sevilla. They've not been playing badly. They're not a bad team. They're not like necessarily the whipping boys of the group even though that's what we thought when they initially came in we've beaten a decent team who want to play football and we've beaten them well it it strikes me John it's one way it, it's important that they aren't written off as mucks in some sort of way and that they're, they are, they've been tidy at home in Europe the last couple of years but what one of the things that I think happens is the thing that we haven't done and that's why the second goal is so important to me we get to relax and yep. we get to we get to be too clear, and I think that that's something which you know you think about the Newcastle game for instance. We were we were on top, we were the better side, and then through a combination of a lack of pressing, a bad centre half line, a good ball, and then a terrible bit of luck, it's back to one one. Whereas you know if, if a bit of all that goes the other way, maybe it's two 0 Liverpool, and then suddenly you might have seen Liverpool go to Newcastle and score three or four, and people are going well, you know, I mean, people that might say well it was only Newcastle etc etc. My point is you can always say well it was only, but you've actually got to put these teams to the sword, and it doesn't happen as often as people think. Yeah, it doesn't. You look at Atletico Madrid to go away to to Carabach and and, yeah. and draw nil nil, and I think I think we're probably one of the only teams in Europe who could who could do that, who could go there and win seven nil, and that's not me saying that we're one of the best teams in Europe. I'm just saying that we've got a unique kind of skill set if you like and that's you know being able to kind of tear teams apart and Maribor just kind of didn't know what to do and I was thinking I wrote something for, for Paddy Power in the week about how you've got to think about the games Maribor normally play and, and they're used to bullying the opposition and probably used to teams defending deep against them because they're the champions and 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 have been you know they won 14 of the last um, 21 or something league titles in in Slovenia and, and so is your saying we'll never go back <laughs> well, they, they, well I mean they had to go through kind of I think three qualifiers to to, to to get to the groups but they 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 used to kind of bullying teams really and they they look like a team who aren't used to the fact that there's three lads and they're all running around and they're all dead fast and they won't give you a second on the ball. They couldn't cope with the pressing whatsoever. They'd, they'd never, they looked like they'd never seen anything like it. And then they're thinking, right, and then and then all three of them seem to run at us and they're all running in different directions and they're all changing positions. And then you've got these mad fullbacks who won't leave us alone instead. And they just like go, at one point, you know, this this isn't fair. And they, they, they look like lads who kind of didn't think it's fair. And I think we're one of the few teams who's able to do that. I think there's teams who, who might beat us over two legs who wouldn't be able to go to Maribor and win 7-0. And so that's why I 
think we deserve a bit more credit than we're getting. It's interesting, John mentioned there, the pressing and that, um, Josh, the manager talked after the game, uh, really quite effusively with a real warmness about the return of this pressing and counter-pressing as though, you know, he was he was almost a little bit surprised himself, uh, positively surprised, but surprised. It's I do wonder how that impacted Maribor, as John said, but also how that now impacts Liverpool. Yeah, I think it's really, really good to see as well about Adam Lallana. I think we haven't had him all season. And obviously it's been a big question mark of, are we not pressing as much because we don't have Adam Lallana? But I think, realistically, the front three pressed really, really well. But also, having having the midfield three that we had, having Milner, Henderson and Genie who actually... No, played, no, no Henderson, played, we had Chan. Chan, sorry, yeah. And uh, Genie who played, who played quite well. Um, as I said, they just hurried... Uh, you can see it in the examples for the goals. Um, just hurried, giving them no space. But I think too many times this season, particularly in draws, we've seen one or two players pushing, but that's not followed up by the whole pack. And if one or two of you do it, there's no point, essentially. You need to go as a group. Because if one or two do it, pass around them, players are out of position. The hunt as a pack, especially the fullbacks getting involved as well, because we had two very, very attacking fullbacks, then we've really, really... I'm going to put them to sod. We did. I mean, we we did. We did really pressure them. I and mean, there's a couple of times where it just looked as though they were almost just passing the ball, Ian. But you get the impression they were trying to do something else, or they were trying to play with their own muscle memory. And it just so happens that their own muscle memory led to the ball ending up at, uh, at a Liverpool player's feet. Yeah, I, I think it was a point where anything that they did would have ended up in a Liverpool player's feet because the movement was so good. I was listening to the uh, podcast with Damien Hughes. Damien Hughes, Jackson's so listening to that in the car on the way in, and I was thinking it was quite noticeable. Obviously, that was recorded before the Maribor game um, he was talking about there was conversation about the fact that it looked like we deliberately changed the way we were playing and maybe Klopp was trying something else maybe the pressing hadn't been as important to him this season and then you hear Klopp's reaction to the fact that the pressing was back and how delighted he was and think well he's obviously still been aiming for that it's just not been working as it should have been and obviously with Lalana being the man who's basically led the press in every single game. Maybe that lack of Lalana has been more telling than we we've yeah, you know, we we know the last lack of Lalana is telling, but maybe it's been even more telling than we think because of what he actually gives in terms of leading that press. So I would I'm not entirely sure whether Milner was leading the press, whether Wijnaldum was because they, they seem to interchange anyway. So I think it was a whole focus from that front five. Everybody sitting in front of Chan was aware that pressing was what was required in them that night. Okay, this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. We'll be back in a minute with more conversation around this game against Manabal, beginning to look ahead to, uh, to Spurs and also a conversation with Liverpool Heart and Chess Hospital. Don't go anywhere. It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Josh McHugh and Ian Salmon with you until half past seven. Uh, but we're also going to Belfast, John. We are, yeah. Really looking forward to it. I love the live shows. It's sort of mainly what I'm in it for. Why have you been gone for this long? These podcasts are passing the time for me. Uh, <laughs> keep, keeping me, keeping me living, so to speak, for the for the big events. It's just the live shows. That's a hell of a long game. It's worth it, though. They are just uh, spectacular. It's, it's fair to say that there is nothing that we do that makes John as happy as a live show. Honestly, right? <laughs> we do longer than Springsteen. Yeah, I'll, so, so you're up to the five-hour mark now, <laughs> then, yeah. 
it's about that. Yeah. Well, this one's gonna. This one is when, when we do Belfast, we're gonna watch the match. So it's the, on the day Liverpool play in West Ham, and we're in the Mandela Hall, but we're in a different part of the Mandela Hall, so that everyone can watch the match with speak us. Speak easy, it's called. Just speak easy. Uh, I like that. That suits us. Um, and it's on Saturday the fourth of November, and Liverpool play West Ham, and we're gonna watch it with everyone at half five, and then that goes through until half seven, and then we're gonna immediately do the post-match show, which is gonna go out for everyone to listen to at half seven. Uh, so we'll do that for an hour, and then we're going to go off and have 15 minutes. You know that bit where you, 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 you hang the towel around a little bit, and and hopefully people are going one more song, one more song, and then we're going to come back out. Shadow boxing. So th- uh, this this is kind of the fake encore bit. Then. Yeah, but, <laughs> but then we're going to do another two and a half hours uh, when we get back on stage after then, uh, and we've got we've got Matty from the Shipbuilders playing live with us, uh, and we we're going to do the full hit of an AFQ, uh, play a few games with the audience. We've got proper prizes these days. Well, in John, um, we've uh, we will have a sort of a general chat and and. Concert out in the audience I mean I love being in the audience oh yeah and then we do about two hours in the bar after where we just yeah. hold court yeah, we, yeah well yeah uh, <laughs> I mean hold court is a very loose description <laughs> be held up is uh, perhaps as accurate yeah, so yeah are. it's £10 you can get your tickets from Sea Tickets if you search the Anfield rap on Sea Tickets you can find them on there to see us live in Belfast so if you do fancy it it'd be fantastic uh, it says here on stage anarchy footy chat and live music and I think we can guarantee most of those things uh, at the best of times probably the anarchy and the, and the and the, and, the, and the music, the footy chat, we'll see how we get on. Um, anyway, 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 I want to talk about the psychology around the box, Josh. And we did a show yesterday with a Chelsea supporter, Rebecca Knight. And what she pointed out was about the Maribor game. She she said, you know, most most times you played the season, you've been creating chances and not taking them. And it isn't as though either A, keepers have had worldies against us, or B, the keeper for Maribor was dreadful. I don't think he gives us any of the goals. I, you know, I don't think there's anything in there that a, that a significantly better goalkeeper saves. I think that they're just undone. And one of the things that struck me was there was just that sudden relaxation amongst the Liverpool players. They, they really sort of got back in their groove. Yeah, I think it definitely, they definitely needed that. It took the pressure off, definitely. The first 20 minutes when game was almost put to bed, <clears throat> really, really needed that. It's not even as though we've necessarily threatened to do that recently. It's been sometimes a case of shots for the sake of shots. I mean, I was at the Liverpool-Burnley game uh, about what was it four or five weeks ago? Yeah, and um, I was one, it finished one all. But I mean, apart from the actual goal, and Big uh, Big Solanke had a really good chance where the keeper made a really good save off. There wasn't really anything from the thirty odd. Was it the record amount of shots? Yeah, thirty five shots. Yeah, thirty five shots. And you couldn't remember much that the keeper had to do. Not not at all. I mean, I can remember making maybe two or three good saves, but thirty five shots. You you read the stats like that, and you think, well, Liverpool have mauled them. That Burnley have just pulled a pulled a blinder out of nowhere but we really really didn't threaten I think that's it's not just in front of goalie and it is the relaxation around all the box no one needs to force it no one needs you know that you mentioned before you like the Coutinho ball for the fourth mm. where he's just waiting until the ideal moment to put Moreno in and, and I think you know maybe if you're the Liverpool coaching staff on the way back in training since the videos you're going lads that's how it works that's what you can do Try to try to embody that spirit. I know it's easy to say, but try to embody that spirit from kickoff against Tottenham, not just when you sort of get two nil up in games. If you can just relax, this is what you can do to any defence, not just the Maribor one. Yeah, it's the, it's the Coutinho hold up for the ball. It's the it's the storage. My reserve goal was the storage to um, to Chamberlain ball because that's that's a fairly difficult pass when you see it play back. But it's a weird because it's a weird yeah. angle. So it's the confidence to play that. It's the selflessness to play that as well as you said before. It's it's you could be a striker at that point snatching at a goal because God knows you know Daniel Sturridge needs a goal at the moment. He could have snatched it. No, he was completely unselfish. And it was also Mo Salah the disallowed goal where he 
only just misses out breaking the offside marginally. It's it's the most marginal of offside calls. It's an offside call, but it's the most marginal one. So it's that confidence to know that you can make that run. So it, we've got the flexibility and it feels all of a sudden. I think possibly the the way we performed against United, and I thought we were very good against United. We didn't break them down, but I thought we played some very good football and we were solid. So we knew it's, you know, you've got an attacking team, a theoretically attacking team like United, who if you gave them space, would rip you apart. And we were sold against them, so we know that we can defend. And we knew we could defend against Maribor, and we knew that we could actually build on it. So we've got the confidence at the back, because our back four has now kept Lukaku very, very quiet, as nobody else has this season. And we've got the confidence that we can build from the midfield forward. And all of a sudden, it feels like the entire break between two international breaks was us forgetting what we were before. And this feels like us remembering what we were against Hoffenheim and against Arsenal. I agree with that for me and John. And the other thing I think is massive is, and it's, I, I think for everyone, one of the important factors, and it, we are a strange team in a lot of different ways, but I thought it was important for the whole team that Firmino scores. I think it's the first goal and I think it helped that it's early, but I think it's, I think everyone, it seems a little bit like he sets the vibe of that from three, if you sort of know what I mean. Like if Firmino's having a nice time playing well, scoring, you sort of think they're all going to... I mean, maybe I'm overshooting this a little bit, but I think that's something that, that I've taken from a lot of our games this season. It does seem that he's the one who sets the tone. There does seem to be an, an importance for everyone that he, that he's he's he, that he's feeling good and he's banging the goals in. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think he's a key player for Liverpool, but it's a key position as well, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a front three that's, that's maybe occasionally only only as good as it is as it's pivoting. That's a tough one for for any kind of player in that position, really, because it's a lot of pressure on you. You know, if there was if there was two up there, then then you know it wouldn't necessarily matter as much if if, if one of them wasn't having the best game. So I think it's the position. Or if there was a number ten behind Jed, he's responsible for making it all. Happen. Yeah, exactly. So so I think it's it's the position as much as the player. But I think he does set the tone. He sets the tone with his attitude and his pressing. And I think he he always kind of tries to do that. He's a very honest player, isn't he? And you know, a, a very kind of good player for Liverpool. But you. you I like how they spread the goals around and I think that is something that, you know, look, we're playing Tottenham at, at Sunday and I'm jealous of as, as anything that they've got Harry Kane. But, you know, I think I think I like the fact that, you know, we've already got Mo Salah where he's on eight and everyone says he misses chances. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And he's and he's already on eight goals for the season and we're, we, we, you know, we're not that close to the end of October. And so it's it's nice that we've got that. But I think for me, and you're getting one and then someone else getting one just kind of lifts. It, it, it takes a bit of pressure off the others, I think. And I think it's, I don't think it's any coincidence that, that the kind of, the, the, the goals when they have have, have come in kind of gluts. And I think it's because we, you know, I think they, they, they take, they take, not, we haven't got the kind of players you think so I'm not going to worry about what he's doing you know, I'm going to make sure I do my thing I think they do a little bit and that could be both a positive and a negative I think I think there's also a point here that if you've got Firmino playing with Coutinho to the left of him if Coutinho's dropping deep Firmino can push that bit further forward if you've got Mane to the left of him then Firmino's natural job is going to be to drop deeper so that Mane can overlap so he is going to become a slightly more orthodox number nine with Coutinho on the front Um the shape of the group, Josh, it, it was an unexpected result in the other game. I don't think any of us would have expected Moscow, even at home, to put five past uh, Severe and, and Cruz away. I mean, I don't know if first or second matters, looking at the Champions League groups in general, and that, you know, there's some groups that are pretty straightforward, and people would argue that, that, that ours is amongst there. Uh, but I sort of think we should be targeting finishing top in that. Again, it's it's another little marker point for everyone to say, yep, we had a straightforward group, but yep, look, we came out on top. I completely agree. I think first and second doesn't really matter 
too much in terms of context of who you get in the next round anymore, as much as it did maybe 10 years ago. I mean, you look at the other groups, Tottenham and Dortmund right next to each other. You've got Chelsea and Roma, who were fantastic the other night. Um, I think finishing first or, set, first or second, it's more intrinsic than anything else. It's more about you've gone into a Champions League group, you've performed better than everybody else, you've won the group, you were the best team, because you are the best team there. Second feels more as though, okay, you, you were okay, but you weren't quite the best that you could be. And I think it's a lot more intrinsic and it matters a lot more than... Yeah, I, I agree with that. And John, I think that the, the you know the expectation now is also should be there to do that. The expectation should be to qualify. I think it always was, but you know it now it is now opened up for us to to kick on from here. Look at the remaining three games and, and pick up seven points and cruise to the top of the group. Yeah, let's hope so. And I think it symbolises you know Liverpool being back, and and that's I think what Jurgen Klopp was after as much as as the finances of being back in the Champions League and, and as much as it being you know a a, a tournament that. You know, you go out and try and win because why not? But I think, I think also it's it's a statement of, you know, of prestige and it's a statement of where Liverpool kind of should be really. And I'm sure that's that's what what Jürgen was talking about when he was he was saying about attracting players and, and talking about you know the, the making a project that people kind of players want to get involved in. It's you know we're not just you're not just back in the Champions League making the numbers up and and waiting till we get someone decent. It's well, we're here properly and we're and we're, we're we're at the top table of European football and I think winning your group kind of does that really. And and you look around, you know, the English teams are doing well this year. Everyone apart from Everton is, is top of their group, and so you want to be kind of part of that conversation too. Uh, all right, this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. After the break, we're going to be having a brief chat uh, to the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital Charity Appeal. Uh, people have come in to talk to us about that, and then we're going to be getting stuck right into Spurs, which hopefully Liverpool will be as well on Sunday. Welcome back, the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. And before we have a look ahead to Tottenham at the weekend, uh, we're really, really pleased to be joined by people from the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital. First and foremost, we've got Mary Lilly, who's in. She's the head of fundraising. And we've got Emanuel Kudovalian, who is the Associate Medical Director of Surgery. And it's with Kudovali I want to start this conversation, really, and, and talk about what's so special about the current fundraising project about robotic surgery. And that in Liverpool, we want to bring in the first cardiothoracic uh, robotic surgery unit in the UK. What what makes that robotic surgery quite so distinctive and special and useful for the people of Liverpool in the wider area? So, um, thank you. Um, that robotic surgery is is the cutting edge of surgery in heart and lung surgery. Uh, we already have quite a big program of minimally invasive surgery in the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital, as is the case in several other centres in the country where instead of having a the the breastbone cut open to do heart surgery or having a large cut between the ribs to do lung surgery, uh, this, these operations can be done through uh, relatively small cuts in the chest uh, and this helps people to get back on their feet quicker, uh, makes the operation more accurate, if you like, in, in some situations. Uh, and we are already uh, doing this for several years and now we are probably at the absolute limit of how much less invasiveness we can provide for these operations. The robot takes it to a completely different level um, and the robot will uh, allow these operations to be done through even smaller ports, uh, smaller cuts in the chest. Um, it has several advantages, especially getting people back to their normal lifestyle quicker, shortening their recovery times, um, reducing their post-operative pain, uh, improving their rehabilitation after having major heart and lung surgery. Uh, and several other uh, advantages uh, which I can 
I can go through. Yeah, by all means. I mean, I, for, what I'd say on this is, you know, there's a lot of people listening. People listen to our shows both inside Liverpool and outside of Liverpool, and we know already in Liverpool. I mean, you know, my 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 dad. Uh, a few years back, it, how special the unit in Broad Green is, how distinctive it is, how unique it is, and how lucky we are to have it. And I think it's important that people are aware that this is, you know, this is a uh, something which the city's, you know, good. It, it's good that it has, and that it has all these additional benefits, and that we're looking to to improve this more and more. So uh, there's there's wonderful things which the robot can do, which a human hand can't do, uh, because at the end of the day, we've got limitations to how our joints work. Um, one of the big things is. It's through small ports. It's almost like you're working through a double-jointed hand. Mm. So you can gain access to areas much easier, which you couldn't do uh, previously through the uh, minimally invasive cuts, which you could have uh, uh, without a robot. That is certainly one of the biggest advantages. Uh, It does improve accuracy because you're actually viewing it through a much bigger uh, uh, sort of lens, if you like, and you can see things in much much more detail. Apart from these, of course, the most important thing is to make is we can make things minimally invasive, but we should not lose focus on patient safety and the uh, and the adequacy of the operation. So this is not about cosmesis only. Cosmesis to us, even though it's very important for the patients, is actually way down the list. What we are more interested in is is offering operations through the least invasive incisions or cuts, uh, but operations which are adequate, uh, which are more than adequate, and which give a long-term good result to the patients. And this is certainly what we can provide uh, through uh, the, the, the robotic operations. And this is both for operations on the heart, particularly uh, in the uh, in the operations on mitral valves, which is one of the major valves in the heart, and also um, in in, uh, uh, in improving the blood supply to the heart muscle. I mean, everybody knows about a bypass operation, which most, which most people will have heard of. Uh, traditionally, it is done through a big cut in the chest. Uh, what this will allow us to do is to do um, a, a hybrid procedure, if you like, where there's a combination of doing an operation and also putting stents in into the arteries, which will make it a, which will allow us to treat people who potentially previously were not appropriate candidates for this procedure and give them the advantages of this. Uh, going on to lung surgery, again, same thing. You know, lots of patients have operations in the lung for uh, it could be lung cancer, uh, it could be other things, and for which they have big cuts in the chest. And this this will allow us to do it through a much smaller incision. Even though we are already doing minimally invasive uh, with uh, lesser cuts than an open chest in, in for lung surgery, this will make it even better. And all the advantages which are described for in heart surgery will be there for lung surgery as well. So you say this would be the first one in the UK. Do they are they existing in terms of operationally? What over in America at the moment? Are they is that where they're functioning? Yes, there are units in America who are doing it. There are units in Europe who are doing it, and they have some experience. And this is tried and tested. This is not yeah. new. This is not experimental. It's just that we are catching up in some ways, and uh, we are uh, we are learning from the experience of all these units in the other countries and their excellent results results which they have produced over the years, over the last few years. Uh, and in the process of uh, doing of setting up this this uh, program, we'll we'll be learning from experts around the world uh, to make it happen. And this will be the first unit in the country to have this, and we are really proud of it. So, have you been able to travel and, and see one in action? 
uh, not me personally. Uh, the the uh, the project is going to be led uh, by a heart surgeon and a lung surgeon in the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital. Uh, Mr. Paul Modi will be leading on the uh, heart surgical side, and Mr. Mike Shackloth and his colleagues will be leading on the uh, lung surgery side. And they have travelled in the past, and they will be travelling again just to learn even more. And eventually, when the operations are done, they will be done with the help of experts from around the world to begin with. Mary, you're, you've been looking after the fundraising for this to bring this in and working ever so hard, I suspect, on doing so. How well is it going so far and how much more is there still to do? Um, it's gone amazingly well. I mean, I always knew the people of Liverpool would respond to this, especially as we we want to be the first in the UK. Um, the fantastic news is that we have raised sufficient funds to purchase the robot but it breaks down into a couple of different areas. So we have the robot, or have the money for the robot, um, but there is instrumentation. You can imagine this is an extremely complex um, surgical instrument, so we need to have the instrumentation that will go with it. And we also need to do an education, as Mr Kudavali's mentioned, programme for our surgeons, but we also want to disseminate that out to other hospitals across the country so that they can learn from us. And also a research programme because we will be the first. So it's important that we research the things that we're doing. So with 1.4 million already raised, we still need another 500,000. Um, and we can't thank people enough for all the support they've given us. Um, name, I'm sure everybody knows here, John Aldridge. He came forward uh, and got all of his friends who were involved in his golf day to take part in our 10,000 tennis, which was led by Ricky Tomlinson. Um, we've had Sunetra Sarka, we've had Jimmy McGovern, but we've also had people just turn up at the charity office um, uh, and the, in the hospital and say, Here's a five, a love, here's a tenor. We want to bring that robot here. So, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. But there's still a little way to go. And if people want to get involved, there's all sorts of ways that they can do it to help us. What sort of involvement are you looking for now from people? Is there, is there specific sort of uh, aspects of fundraising they can join already in existence? Or are you looking for, for people to, to be creative? Or is the answer as ever? Both, please, if you can. Yeah, both, please, if you can. Um, the the 10,000 Tenors campaign is going really, really well. We've raised about 70,000 of the 100,000 that we're looking for. Um, so people can ring the charity office on 0151 600 and make a donation. They can look at our website, www.lhcharity.org.uk, find out more. Um We've got 16 free places in the Wirral Trail Half Marathon. Um, it's a long way. It's a long way, and it's over rough terrain, and it's on the 7th of January. But believe it or not, people are coming forward. <laughs> oh, Craig, do that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing this Santa Dash. I'm not having your name put down for that one. But, <laughs> but people do come forward for this, isn't it? And it is something which would be, you know, which you'd love to see people come yeah. forward who really feel confident they can raise funds. Of course. I mean, if you don't want to throw yourself through a mud-ridden field in January, you can always bake a cake and have a cup of tea. <laughs> so whatever you want to do. One of my skill sets. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure about the baking, but the eating part of that cake and the so whatever you want to do just join in that's all we'd say just join us so the way to join us i just want to reiterate this as well and it's very very clear from you know what was just discussed earlier on how 
how key this technology will be. But the way to join is uh, to give you a call 0151 600 or to go to www.lhchcharity.org.uk and everything that people will need either of those two portals that's your first step and then you go from there yeah and you really have to see the video that ricky did for us because it's hysterical well i mean yeah R- R- ricky's very good company on these things honestly <laughs> I've, se- I've, I've, I've seen him work a room of uh, 65 year old women uh <laughs> did, did so with panache um but yes it is absolutely brilliant stuff all of this and uh, very very kind of these people to come in as well uh thank you very much indeed to both mary and kudavali for taking the time today uh both are really really busy to come in and talk about this and if you do want to get involved and if you've forgotten already what all of this is, you know where the Anfield Rap is on Twitter, at the Anfield Rap. You can find us there and on our Facebook page, and you can just basically email us as well. We're not hard to find. Or message one of us, uh, and we will see what we can sort out in terms of passing you along to the relevant people. Thank you very much for that. And now we have to get back to the trivial matter of football, but it is the most important of the least important things. With you in a second. Good to speak to Marion Kudavali there. Back now with John, Josh, and Ian. Just very, very quickly, John. It's um, you can overlook the, the you know the brilliance of something like like Broad Green, something like the you know the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital. But it's I mean it is it. We're very, very lucky to have it as close as we do. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I think generally we're we're lucky in Liverpool for this sort of thing. And I think it's not till you you, you travel or, or speak to people from outside the area that you realise, you know. Uh, things like Woodlands Hospice, which which I did some fundraising for recently, is is an amazing institution. Liverpool Heart and Chest, you know, I know a lot of people who've. I think it was when when Gerard Hulier had um, had his heart heart attack um, when he was Liverpool manager, and you know, and he I think he pretty much said that if that had happened that somewhere else he, he he might not have survived, and and that kind of really kind of brings it home, and 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 we've got an amazing um, children's hospital in, in Alderhey as well and we're lucky to have them but these things need support um, you know especially if they want to do something out of the ordinary like this it, it is not covered by 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 government funding then then just just try your best and, and, and you know money's tight for people but if you can do things and you can you know think of ways to support them then then do because as you say that we're, we're lucky to, to kind of be in a position to do so indeed and we like to talk about this stuff on the Anfield app we were joking before but we do indeed like to be able to do these sorts of bits and pieces we also want to mention the Liverpool Art, uh, Irish Festival which is on at the minute uh, liverpoolirishfestival.com for the website uh, in order to see everything that's going on it's from the 19th of October which was yesterday if you are paying attention right the way through until the 29th uh, but there's tons of things right the way across the city there's an excellent looking art installation called Song of Love uh, which looks the absolute business uh, which is taking place at 1pm um, and I'm just trying to find out where it is it's at the Crips Chapel, Chapel uh, accessible from Brownlow Hill that's knocking around it's a free event lots of the Irish festival events are free <coughs> Um, there's Irish craft beer festivals uh, there's music that's being put on by Melatone amongst other people uh, everyone gets involved everyone gets stuck into this don't they John yeah no definitely and I know I know artists from, from Ireland who are coming over I know guys from London who with Irish backgrounds coming over and things like that and and, and you know venues all, all across the city as well so there'll be something that you'll be into there'll be something you'll be able to get to quite easily and, and so get involved I'm going to hand you man I think oh yeah yeah. I'll come with you so uh, let me know uh, keep me informed other thing uh, very very quick is we're looking to do something at our new office uh, thank you very much to Avenue HQ for having us at our new office facility uh, doing a live show a live post-match show uh, after Southampton so we'll be looking to record that 
come down if you can. We'll be talking about it more and more across the next few weeks and get stuck in. Uh, it'll be a lovely little hour where we're just chatting away. Not quite the full bells and whistles that John described before, not the full Springsteen set, uh, but us having a lovely chat. Uh, Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, no. it's going to be a nightmare getting John off the stage with the microphone. John, put it down. John, put it down now. John, they've gone home. Um, all of that will be ongoing, but hopefully it'll be fine. Uh, we'll be giving you more information about that, but we want people to come and get stuck in and, and have a lively audience, uh, a bit of back and forth for an hour. Uh, hopefully we'll get that. That is after the Southampton game. So put it in your diaries now uh, in Liverpool City Centre, and we can all have a lovely pint afterwards. Um, I I am doing this back to front. Uh, I often end this, uh, Josh, by saying, "What's a good result for Liverpool?" Um, I'm going to start it asking you, "What's a good result for Liverpool?" Because it would be easy to say a good result for Liverpool was a draw. People often do say that sort of thing. We're away against another side in the top six. They're a really good side. They got 86 points last season. I think a draw is an all right result for Liverpool, but I'll be dead honest. I, I really want to see Liverpool win this game against Tottenham, and I really think they can. Yeah, I think as well, um, Tottenham at Wembley haven't really settled fantastically. I mean, the only team they've beaten at home in the league this year has been Bournemouth, who, besides some Crystal Palace, who are really, really struggling, Bournemouth have not been themselves at all this year. And, I mean, looking into the game, I, w- I wouldn't be too disappointed with a draw, but I'd be, I'd be more disappointed if we didn't deserve to win, because this is a game where... That obviously we we haven't got Mane, but they're missing some key players as well. They're missing midfield, they're missing um Dembele and Wanyama, two players that are integral to really how they're playing that three four three. You need two you need two midfielders that primarily are gonna work hard but also sit quite deep and protect that protect their protect them back three because then wing backs gonna push up too high. I think I'd be very disappointed if we didn't yeah, go at them. And I think a 2-1 win is probably my prediction for this game. Oh, well, like an early prediction. But I want, to, yeah. I want to pull back on something that Josh has said there, Ian. He'd be disappointed if we didn't deserve to win. And I was, I had sort of had that attitude about the United game, that I was okay with us drawing the United game, yeah. as long as I'm able to walk out of it going, you know what, if any side there is likely, if any side that deserves to win that game, it's Liverpool. And <clears throat> I think that that's... I think to a certain extent that's how the manager will look at it as well. That you know you can't uh, the the you know the old uh, Gerard Houllier quote that you can't program success. You can only prepare for it. But he'll want to see that Liverpool were adequately prepared for success, no matter what the result is. Yeah, I think uh, as Jurgen said, the um, the United result shows that we're as good as United. It shows that United were worried about us. They um, they they resort to Mourinho's typical defensive tactics that he's always employed against us, and it shows. It shows they're slightly scared. I, I don't think Spurs will be as scared. I think Spurs are more like Arsenal. I think they're going to take the game to us. I think they, given that they're not really settled in Wembley yet, and given that statistic that anybody who uproots and goes to another ground for a season never really settles, and you look at the way West Ham have done with their new ground, I think Pochettino can't sit back and defend. I don't think it's in his nature really anyway with Spurs. I think he wants to play football. And I think if you play football against us, then we are going to pick you off at some point. I, I think a good result for us is a win. I think we need that win because a win puts us a point behind Spurs again. It puts us back in the conversation for top four right away. And October is a really good time to, to be back in that conversation for me. Yeah, I think you, you've got to kind of keep an eye on Man City as well. They're nine points ahead of us now, so we draw their home to Burnley. You know, it's 11 points, and that's a huge amount yeah. of points to kind of try and claw back on a team who are, who are so good and are, and, are, and are likely to, you know, if they don't come top, then they're certainly going to be in the top two. And so I think, I think 
I think it's going to be tough for us to win a title this season, but I wouldn't like to be in October saying it looks impossible, if that kind of makes sense. And, and you also so, want to be kept honest as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, I don't want to be having top four chats, you know, this kind of early in the season, really. And so, you know, I think, I think I'd be, you know, the four points to Tottenham, some, like like Ian, something I've got my eye on, but also that, that nine already to Man City, you know, and Man City will, will stumble at some point, but, you know, you don't want to be relying on on a, on a stumble, you don't want to be relying on a collapse. And and so I, I, I think context is important in, in terms think, of the John, season. Do you think, John, that we're, we'll, I, I think this, I, I, I don't think we can do the Arsenal top four. You know, the way in which they just yeah. sort of bumble along, crew points, and before you know where you are, you're all looking at each other going, how do they get to 75 points? I almost feel like there's got to be, I think if we make top four this season, there'll need to have been a plausible conversation about us doing better than third, say, in you know in January, if you sort of see what I mean. I think, you know, we need to keep that conversation alive for as long as possible. I don't think it suits us the, the oh, you just keep sort of, you just keep ticking them off one way or the other. No, I don't think so. I think, I think it's a team that, that wants to kind of look, wants to achieve and, and wants to wants to dream big and that's a good thing and that's something that the managers always talked about and instilled and I think it's a fan base like that as well is it it's a fan base that can be the best in the country or it can go flat as well and I think you know you you, you want to be you want to be certainly the former and so that, that's what I'd like I'd like us to to be looking at that and to be looking at this period of games as one where you know this is where we go on a really good run and this is what we learn everyone what we're all about and I think, as I say about context, because we're nine points behind Man City, because we, it was only the draw against Manchester United. If we win, if we beat Man United, I'm probably saying the draws here, okay, and that's maybe unfair on the on the players because you know it's still the same game in opposition, and they're really good, Tottenham as well. You know they've just just gone to the Bernabeu and got a good point, and you know we've seen what they've done to teams. But so maybe I'm being unfair, but you know, hey, that's just me. You're demanding, aren't you? I am. Josh, Josh, there's, is there a selection headache? Ian says before he'd like to see James Milner start, so we got it out early in the show threw it right out there like an unexploded bomb waiting to come back and haunt us right now would you start James Milner? Um, that's a very good question um, I wouldn't controversially I would play Henderson I do think you need a captain in games like this and I think if you play Chan and Wijnaldum you do need someone that's probably going to sit back and spray passes more than someone who's going to work harder like Milner Ian you're very much on the Milner show I'm, I'm staying on the Milner, Milner show but yeah it's um for me, Henderson's... I'm not going to criticise Henderson. I think when he's playing the number six role well, he plays it brilliantly. And obviously, Klopp trusts him to do that job. I don't think he's really done it so far this season. Um, I don't think he's been bad. But I think Chan can do the job. I think Milner sitting where Chan would be or swapping over so Wijnaldum... To, you know, for me, Wijnaldum swapping back to the left makes a difference to the team. Because... I never feel we're as in control with Wijnaldum playing the right of the three and Chen on the left. I think it feels more natural for Wijnaldum to sit on the left. And I think Wijnaldum's still essential to the balance of that midfield. So I think I think a Chan, Wijnaldum, Milner midfield, for me, again, would work brilliantly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick him personally. I think it's going to be dead, dead fast. I think it's probably going to be a bit too quick for him. But I think the reason, the reason I think Jürgen Klopp stopped Picking him in midfield and sort of more as a fullback was I just don't think he he thought he was he was quite up there in terms of what he wants from a central midfield and what he's able to put in. When I was watching Milner the other night, I wasn't thinking 
I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Milner hasn't started more. I was thinking, well, why haven't we seen him off the bench? Uh, that, was, that was what was getting me, because we haven't seen him off the bench hardly at no, all, that was have mine. we? I, I, I'm, I've got to agree with you, John. For instance, Newcastle away, when yeah. Wijnaldum was really anonymous and yeah. struggling, it yeah. now seems really strange. that I mean, Cham was on the bench that day, but it's really strange that Milner's sitting off on the bench for the entirety of that game Because now. he seems to be like a, a perfect substitute, because as... As Ian said, he's probably our smartest player. He's he's certainly one of the most experienced. Is he might be our best crosser? I would say um, Trent might have a shout in for that. But you know, he's, he's he's we've seen more of it from Milner, and so I think I think what I, I wasn't looking at it thinking oh you know we've got to start Milner from this because you know you, you've got to think of the opposition in terms of not necessarily quality but in terms of you know the, the pace they're able to kind of go. At. I think I think Tottenham might be a bit much for him in terms of their midfield, but. Yeah, I mean, I certainly want to see more of James Milner than we have done so far. Does our domination of Maribor, Josh, you think make it easier for Spurs to maybe Pochettino to sell internally in the dressing room, externally to supporters if he needs to after the fact, make it a little bit easier for them to maybe not be quite as quick as John thinks, to maybe sit a little deeper, to maybe say, right, lads, we've got to manage this game and not just be the pure Spurs that we've seen in the past? I actually don't. I think this is... A bigger game for Pochettino than it is for Klopp. I think realistically, if we if we go there and draw, Klopp can say we've got a good away point against a top four rival. Pochettino is in big pressure. Is under big pressure because they're, they're not they're not getting the good results at home yeah. factor and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, pretty much just his um, record at home this year has not been good enough, and I think they've got Kane, Deli, Ali, and Eriksson to go at our shaky defense. I mean, I don't think he's that sort of manager either. I think he, you know, you talk about. What where where Liverpool what what this Liverpool team needs? I think the Tottenham team's fairly similar. You, you've seen them kind of going for the title and then it not being possible and drop off a couple of years ago. And then Arsenal ended up finishing ahead of them. I don't think I don't think I don't think they've got in in them to. I think they the, their players would be confused if if he kind of came out. I thought he was brilliant before that Real Madrid game. Pochettino going there saying yeah we're going to go and try and beat them. Yeah, we're not going to be. We're going to be confident, and I was like, "It's right, lad." You know what I mean? Because the easiest thing to do as a manager is to manage expectations and say, "Well, it's going to be a really tough game," and blah blah blah. And he was having none of it, and I thought, you know, he's right because you know they, they are just a football team and go in there. And I thought the players played like they believed against against the Real Madrid. From what I've seen, obviously it was at the Manabo game. From the, from the highlights I've seen, they played like uh, like players who believed what their manager was saying. So I think it'd be a bit weird if he went to the dressing room and went, "Oh yeah, with that Liverpool look good the other day, didn't he?" So weird. So, you know, let's be a bit cagey and see what happens. And that goes back to Damien's podcast again, because straight away he's saying if you're sending that message out Available to Available on tour play for £5 a, a month. Yeah, which is a snip. Which is a, <laughs> and probably longer than a Springsteen gig in itself each month as well. Um, if you're selling that idea to your players, that well, you can go to Madrid and you can go out to Madrid and you can yeah. try and beat them in the Bernabeu, but you're at home and I want you to sit back a little bit because Liverpool look really scary. You're giving them mixed messages straight away. And also, they're a team who they want to be seen as serious title contenders. And serious title contenders go out and beat their, their toughest opponents. Um, give me a prediction, Ian. 2-1. Liverpool? Yeah. Josh? 2-1 Liverpool. John? I think we'll go there to win. Um, I'm not sure on the score. 2-1 sounds quite nice. And the boys sounded confident. They both did, didn't they? It was impressive. That has been the Anfield Raptors week. Thank you very much indeed again. Uh, once again, uh, that uh, Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital came in to speak to us. Uh, thank you very much to John, to Josh and to Ian Liverpool on Sunday. They take themselves off to Wembley. Uh, not the type of visit that you most want to Wembley. One where you get a big shiny trophy at the end of it. But I do think there is something a little bit elusive, a little bit shiny that we're playing for here. It's who's better at this time of football I think it's the Reds Sports 
Social Podcast Network.